reminder, uh, we're doing this clothing drive for Teen Challenge. That's why you see all these bags of clothes up here. So we're doing that throughout this month, which is awesome. Uh, a little bit of resurrection for the folks at Teen Challenge, all right? So uh, that's that. I think that's in your worship folder as well, and there's stuff as you leave. So make sure you pay attention to that. Uh, without any further ado, I want to uh, introduce many of you know Dana. Dana's on staff here and uh, has been here just a little, uh, almost two and a half years, I think, a little less than me by like a month or so. And uh, Dana is a dear friend, and we were talking this last week. She, she asked me, why did, I, why did I ask her to speak? And I said, Dana, I asked you to speak because I trust you uh, with this community. And so uh, I do, and uh, I think that says a lot. So if you would, welcome our good friend, Dana. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. It made me realize when Nicole was leading that it is a choice to worship, and it's a choice to come to church. And especially on days like today, I think with folks just being at the time it is, it would be easy to just say, oh, it's so nice outside, and I'll just skip. Um, so thank you for coming and for being here, um, even for knowing maybe some of you didn't know Micah wasn't going to be speaking. Um, so even if you did know that he wasn't going to be speaking and you came anyway, thanks for coming. I know some people sometimes call churches and see who's speaking this week, and then they choose whether they're going to come to church or not based on who's speaking. And so thank you for being here. So I have I promised that I would do a couple of shout-outs because I don't get to be up front speaking. I mean, I do announcements. but So it is someone's birthday today, and her name is Emily Weems. And she, yeah, she's been here serving the Lord all day because she's in the children's choir. And they sang two services in the morning, and then they did a children's choir production this afternoon, and now she's here at church. So that's how she's spending her birthday. So she gets double stars, quadruple stars. And then it's Jeff's birthday tomorrow, so she's my second shout-out. She didn't know I was going to do that. So we are on the Everything Will Change series, and it's so exciting to be in this series where we are thinking about going forward and because of Jesus' death and resurrection, what does our future look like? And everything will change. Um, a few points from, I guess, two weeks ago when Micah spoke, talking about that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, it reminds us that the worst the enemy has to offer has been conquered, has been beaten. So the worst we could experience, the worst in us, the worst of the world, has been conquered, has been, has, the game's over. Game, it's a game changer. Jesus' re- resurrection is a game changer. And it is a game changer in res- re- resurrecting relationships. I shouldn't look at that screen. In relationships. So that's what we're talking about tonight, resurrecting relationships. So, I'm going to start with a story, and it may not make sense until the end, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it, because it, it makes sense. So I'm not a runner. I'm not. And I can tell you multiple stories in my life about times when I've tried to run, and I'll tell you one. I have a lot more. Freshman year basketball team. Right. You look at me? Basketball team. Do I look like a basketball player? Yeah, my friend Jenny likes to, with people that have long legs, she's like, oh, she has legs for days. I have legs for seconds. Like, they're, they're short. They don't go very fast, so my gait is really short. So I have to, I feel like when I run with people, I have to, like, do two or three for everybody's one. And I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. So freshman basketball team, for some reason that day, we were practicing 
freshman, B squad, JV, and varsity all together. We had to run killers at the end of practice. Do you guys know what killers? Anybody? Yeah. At the end of practice, we had to run killers. Not at the beginning. At the end. So if you, in case you don't remember or you blocked it out of your mind what killers are, because I've tried to block them out of my mind, you start at the baseline and you have to run to the first line back to the baseline. Then you go to the line past the line that you just went to back to the baseline. Then you go to the half-court line back to the baseline. All the way through the whole court back, back, back. So our coach says you have to, the entire team, freshmen, B-squad, JV, varsity, all have to complete killers within a certain time limit or else you do it again. Oh, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm not a runner. <laughs> I'm not a runner. This is not going to be good. But I tried, you know, and of course we get across, you know, she blows the whistle and there's about six of us that haven't, that haven't made it. And I'm one of them. And I'm like, oh, okay. There's, there's like five other people with me. So maybe she won't, maybe she'll let it go seeing that there's six of us. You know, this is a really unattainable goal because I'm not a runner. This isn't going to happen. Nope, we have to do it again. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, you're really going to have to work hard. And I thought I was working as hard as I could the first time, but okay. I'm going to try really hard again. And so I'm, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, no, it's going to be just me this time. Those other five people have, like, put it in gear, and they're getting there. And sure enough, she blows the whistle, and I'm the only one that hasn't crossed. And everybody's looking at me like, oh, Dana, because they have to run it again. So I get the bright idea. You get ready to start the third time of doing the killer. I am not, I mean, any hope of, of, it's gone because I'm so tired at this point. And remember, I'm not a runner. So she blows the whistle to start the third killer, and I run a little bit, and then I, oh, I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it worked. So she's like, oh, get some water. And then we went to the side, and my, the rest of the team finished it. And I thought I would, you know, because oh, my team is going to hate me. I'm going to get, like, beat up in the locker room after this. So I tell you that story because that was my excuse all the time. I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. The same friend, Jenny, who talks about legs for days, she, when I lived in California, she was my friend, and she said, let's run a half marathon, just out of the blue. Oh, okay, half marathon. But I'm the girl that's not a runner. She's like, we can do this. We'll train. We've got time. I've got this schedule you can print out online, and we can run it. And I thought, well, you're really cool to hang out with, so sure, I'll train with you. I'll, I'll run this half marathon. And I'm going to be running my fourth half marathon in the end of May. So I can no longer say that I'm not a runner. And I tell you this story because now that we have seen what life looks like on this side of the cross, we can't go back. We know what Jesus' resurrection means for all of us. So we can't have these excuses like, I can't do this, I can't do that, that's not who I am. Because who you are is now different. You are now a runner or whatever, fill in the blank, because of Jesus and because of his resurrection. So the way that this applies to relationships, and I thought a lot about how are we going to talk about relationships because there's so many different facets. We relate differently to a mom or a dad than we do to a spouse or a brother or a sister or a friend. And so I was racking my brain and I thought, I'm not going to try to decipher what we're like in each relationship. I'd rather talk about who we are in relationships. So I believe that relationships 
are, it's more about who you are in relationships. Relationships is about being and who we are in relationships. And there are four ways of being, because I did the bullet points, because that's what we do for sermons. Um, and <laughs> I'm inspired by Micah and his bullet points. But so the first way of being that I want to focus on is being loving. And we were talking about this in our staff meeting, and I thought every time we go to a wedding, you hear 1 Corinthians 13 read. Every time. And we associate that with that love is the wedding love and the romantic love. And I really, I sat with a friend, because she had been thinking about this lately too, going through 1 Corinthians 13, and it's, it's not about just that love. Paul was single. What do, you, what, what do you think? He was not writing this. Oh, this will be the wedding verse. <laughs> Great. He, I mean, truth be told, Paul probably wasn't thinking about that at all because he, whatever. We don't need to get into that, but he thought it was better to be single. But anyway, so I want you guys to, when I read this again, I want you to, like, erase Aunt Irma's wedding or... Um, try to wipe out any wedding experience that you've had because I want you to hear these words differently and hear them as loving, as a way that you can be loving. So here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I only know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Was that different for any of you guys this time hearing it? I, I think Paul was trying to give us a little piece of the world as God wants it. He was saying, now I see in part, but then I shall see fully. He's saying, if we have love, we are seeing a glimpse of God, and we are we are able to bring a glimpse of God to this world. And when I think about being loving in relationships, that's a long list of things, isn't it, to be able to do? 
and never failing at it, well, it's not you that never fails. It's the love that never fails. And to be loving, for me, if I can encapsulate all of that, in relationships, it's always lifting up. It's always empowering. It's always being that cheerleader. Um, so that's loving. The, the next being that I want to talk about is being forgiving. And I know some of you are like, oh, forgiveness sounds like a dirty word sometimes to me. Because it does to me, especially when you attach it to a certain person or a certain situation. I'm like, oh, I can talk about forgiveness. And then I'm going to be like, oh, I have to forgive that person. And then I'm going to walk out of church feeling bad because I've had trouble forgiving this and I hold on to this. And I'm not going to talk about it in that sense because we all know the verses about forgiveness where the guy is asking Jesus, how many times, so how many times should I forget, forgive this guy? Like seven? And he's thinking, that's pretty generous, right? Seven? And Jesus is like, mm, 70 times seven. And the guy's like, wait. And Jesus, no, 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 that's not the point. I don't want you to count. It's not a number, it's that you always forgive. And then I think about what, what crosses my brain when I think about forgiveness is, I forgive because I am forgiven, or forgiven to forgive. And then I get some song lyric in my head, and then it, and then it just keeps ringing around in my head, and then I feel even more guilty. And I feel like God's up there saying, you owe me. And I'm like, wait a minute, did you, do you, did you see that you saw this situation, really? And he's like, Really? I died on the cross. And then I'm like, oh, right, you win. Okay. Better work on that forgiveness. But I, I think in the way of relationships, it's not a transactional kind of you owe me. God's not up there saying you owe me. He's saying, do this with me. See, when we forgive, we get to be a part of his reconciliation, which is amazing and powerful and beautiful. And there's that verse when it talks about loving your enemies. You guys know that one about the burning the heaping coals on your head? It's like if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing so, you will burn, you will heap burning coals on their heads. And when I was younger, I used to be like, yeah, that sounds cool. I'd like to do that because that sounds painful. And... And, of course, like, people have debated what that really means, whether some people say it was an ancient Egyptian tradition that you would put a pan of burning coals on your head and walk around the town square as an act of public repentance. And then other people say, and I did this research during Joel Lawrence's systematic three theology class on, on Tuesday, so I probably shouldn't put this on the podcast. Anyway, um, not that he's going to read it, but anyway. Um, Another theory is that people had to have a fire burning at all times, you know, because they needed it for heat and they needed it for food. And so if your fire burnt out, you could go to your neighbor's house and you could say, you know, can I have, can I have some of your hot coals? And you'd carry the pan on your head so they would put some coals on your head. And so it was a way of them, like, blessing you. So if somebody wronged you and you still were able to give them some of your coals, it's like, oh, wow, like, they're still blessing me even though I did that thing to them. So regardless of what it is, the truth of the matter is 
we do the first part. If they're hungry, we feed them. If they're thirsty, we give them something to drink. We forgive them, and then God does his part. That's pretty clear. We don't need to research the background of that. Like, we know what we're supposed to do. That's pretty clear in that. And so it's like we get to be God's partner. And I don't want to be cheesy and be like, buddy up, but we get to buddy up with God, which I think is pretty amazing in, in the work of his reconciliation, which leads me to my third being, which is being Christ's ambassador. And you see it's kind of going, oh, if you're loving, you're forgiving, and if you're forgiving, you're being Christ's ambassador. It kind of goes in a line, like it makes sense, it keeps going on. So now this is my, like, kind of my money point. So if you if you were dozing off before, you were bored, or you were like, what, Micah? Before, you can, if you'd listen now, that would make me really happy, because this is my favorite part, and I worked really hard on it. So, um, so here's, here's the truth. We get to partner with God, right? Um, if we look up 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and 18, the first thing is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So the everything will change part that's the in us, right? If we're in Christ because of his resurrection, we get to be in relationship with him, and our old is gone. It's not recycled. It's not composted, which is really cool, those sunship bags, by the way. Have you guys seen those lately? <laughs> Sorry. Those commercials are pretty sweet. They, like, disintegrate in, like, 12 weeks. But anyway, we're not recycled. We're not green. We're not. We are completely new. It's not like they're patching up our old stuff and like reconfiguring it and repurposing it it's gone the old is gone our old self is gone it's dead it's it's dead and gone and the new has come and the second part of that when you go to 18 all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation he made us new He reconciled us to himself and then gave that ministry of reconciliation to us to be able to continue to be his ambassador here on the earth. This is is the part where we get to hear. If we're partnering with God, we're doing something pretty big, right? It's not like small, small stuff with God. Have you guys seen the Claritin Clear commercials? There's this girl, and she's, like, playing with her dog, and she's, like, like in the park. You know what I'm talking about? They start out really dull. Like, there's, there's like, a filter over the camera or something. And you don't even really notice it at first. You're just, like, commercial, watching. And then all of a sudden, she takes her Claritin, and it's, like, and it's bright, and it's vibrant, and it's beautiful. And you're, like, I don't even have allergies, but I'm going to go buy some Claritin. Because it's so vibrant and beautiful, and I want to go to that park, and I want to be there. I think that when sin entered this world, a veil of filth and ugliness and murkiness covered our world. Some of us don't even notice it. 
we go on our daily lives and we don't even, it doesn't even register. But for those of us that know what life is supposed to be like in Christ's reign, we know something's off. Like, we know that this isn't the way God intended us to live and the way the world is supposed to be. So, when we're loving, when we're forgiving, when we're Christ's ambassador, we get to do this. Pretend this is the world. We get to rip with God, we get to rip a tiny piece off of that veil of ugliness and filth and grime, and we get to reveal a tiny part of what his kingdom is supposed to look like here on earth. It's that, like, already but not yet stuff that Mike has been talking about a lot. And we get to partner with him in it. And the only way we get to do that is through relationships. We don't get to just go rogue and go doing it on our own. We do it through relationships, and we do it with him. And I just, oh, that makes me excited. I wish I could just rip the whole thing off, and we can't until Jesus returns, right? We're not going to see the whole picture. But have any of you seen a tiny bit in your life? Have, have any of you ever witnessed it, whether it was on a mission trip or in a reconciled relationship or, or whatever, or you've seen someone else do it, you're like, whoa, that really happens? That's possible? I want to tear that whole thing off. what I'm excited about. So my last point, because I'm realistic, is our last being is we are being human. And this is, this is the, I wouldn't say necessarily tough, but it's the reality that we live in. Because there is so much grime still over our world, we have limitations and we are human, and we still sin, and we still say no when it's time to forgive someone, and we say no because I don't want to love that person. They're super unlovable. I can't do it. And I think it's important to remember that we are all in process. We're all being made new each day. We're being sanctified each day, and so are other people. And so I think we need to afford ourselves the same grace and relationships that we afford others, or if we're too hard on ourselves, wait, if we're too hard on others, we need to afford them the same grace we offer ourselves. Because nobody's perfect yet. Because we still have this. But there's pieces that we can see. We can never go back to saying, we don't know what it's like. I don't have to be that way in relationships because I don't know what I'm missing out on. We know what we're missing out on. And we know that we can help to change that by being loving and being forgiving, forgiving and being Christ's ambassador. And I think this hardest, the hardest, like, crucible of being human and, and being all these things is in the church. Because when you get hurt in the church, oh, that stings pretty bad, doesn't it? When it's somebody outside of the church, you're like, oh a little bit easier, but when it's in the church, it smarts and it stings and it just feels like it's stabbing you in the back, even worse. But why are we, why are we not affording the same grace to people in the church as we are outside? And why aren't we all helping each other become 
more sanctified. So that is it, pretty much, for the recap. Um, It's not a formula. It's not like you do A. I'm not a relationship expert, which sometimes you see on the Today Show. Like their little title comes up, and you're like, really? What did you have to do to get that? Relationship expert. Did you go to school for that? Anyway, so, but I think that we all can be experts in our own way of being in relationships, right? You're in different, everybody, how many different relationships are you in? If you start counting it, you'd be like, whoa, because you have different depths of relationship, right? Some are more intimate. Some are, like, more casual, keep them at a distance. And the truth of the matter is we can't be deep with everyone or we would be spread so thin that we would have nothing to give. But we can be loving and forgiving and Christ's ambassador in every relationship that we have. It just would look differently in each way. It's not like A plus B equals C, great relationship. It's going to look different in each relationship. I'm cheesy, so I have to bring some cheesy things in. Cheesy, that's a C too. So, and I'll be the first one to admit that I'm not perfect and I'm a work in process, but I want to be loving and I want to be forgiving and I want to be Christ's ambassador because of this. And I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. And I've seen it in other people's lives. And it makes me excited that there's more under there. There's that park and the dog. And it can happen. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as that, as they come up, I want you guys to think about what it looks like for you. And if you need to think about a certain relationship, you can, but I I more want you to think about yourself because I believe that good relationships start with you. And it starts with you working on yourself, not on, you know, trust me, that would be really hard if we had to work on each relationship like you know, specifically each relationship. If we change ourselves and work on ourselves, each relationship will fall into place. So if you guys could just take a little bit of time, maybe in this next worship set, and think about what you want to see this world to be. And if you want to sign up and say, yes, God, I want to partner with you, then do it. Because you can. And it's awesome. It's awesome.